Welcome to this week's episode of Compound Your Knowledge. This week we have three investment papers. As always, I have Dr. Jack Vogel here with us to take us through each one. The first paper this week is Structuring Lower Risk Opportunity Zone Investments. Uh, this is from friend of the firm, Adam. And he's, he's, uh, this, this is the, the second post he's written on our blog on this topic of Opportunity Zones. So I'd recommend you go read the first one to better understand this one. Um, the first one laid out how Opportunity Zones work, uh, but it brought up the same thought from a lot of people, which is, this seems great, Opportunity Zones, but it seems incredibly risky. So this blog was written outline potential ways to structure lower risk opportunity zone investments. Jack, how did Adam outline this paper? Yeah, so obviously you're correct. Everyone should read Adam's first article, just understand opportunity zones and what they are, right? But high level, uh, if you want to make an investment in opportunity zone, you actually have to invest in some project, mm. and you know you want to get some rate of return. Now, one of the uh, impacts, or just the way the legislation was written about opportunity zones, is it needs to be an equity investment, right? But most people prefer you know bond-like, more stable type investments. So what Adam does in this article is he tries to outline a way with which you can make an equity investment look more like a bond. Uh, from an investment standpoint. Got it. Um, and then, because the big thing with opportunity zones is you want to get just rid of your taxes, right? That, that's kind of the biggest goal with these and invest in these in these areas. Um, but do you have any other thoughts on the paper or the outline of it? Or No, it's actually a pretty neat uh, way to create like a bond-like type investment. So mm-hmm. just in his example, you know, basically uh, one thing is you could go to municipality Right. And potentially if they want to do some project that, you know, they might not want to fund right now, but they want to do it. Right. Right. But they may not want to go to the market to accrue additional debt. Uh, He outlines an interesting way where maybe you buy like the land and a plant or some sort of like a wastewater plant or let's just say something like that as an example. Um, The rate of return to the investor is not going to be super high. It's not going to be like 10 percent plus. But. Uh, from the investor standpoint, due to the depreciation benefit, well, like like in his example, the opportunity zone rate of return for the municipality is like 3.75%, which is kind of around what munis get. Yeah. But from the investor standpoint, it's around five, right. just due to the fact that they can benefit from the depreciation. Right. Um, so it's an interesting article and interesting idea. And, and, put and benefit from avoiding the taxes, right? Is that included in there? Yeah, so remember in Opportunity Zones, if you make an investment and stay in it for a long enough time period, you can actually completely eradicate your capital gains, right? So if you today sold something and had a capital gain of $10 million, made that investment, kept it for a long enough time period, you can actually eliminate your capital gains. That's That's a good thing. The second paper we have this week, The Folly of Hiring Winners and Firing Losers. This was by Larry Swedro. Uh, Larry summarized a research paper from Rob Arnott. Larry starts the paper with, one of the mistakes that prevent investors from achieving their goals is that when it comes to evaluating investments and investment strategies, most think that three years is a long time, five years is a very long time, and 10 years is an eternity. This is true of both 
individuals and institutional investors alike as the typical review cycle for institutional money managers is three years. This traditional approach continues even though the research consistently shows that this approach leads to underperformance. The title of this paper is The Folly of Hiring Winners and Firing Losers. Um, so it's pretty straightforward what we're getting at here, but Jack, what did the research show? Yeah, so I mean, the research in the paper written by a lot of the research affiliates guys uh, can be summarized, in my opinion, in like, you know, one image. And the first image is just the one, uh, we'll show it here, whereby you rank funds into quintiles on their past return, mm. right? Into, you know, the winners and the losers over the past three years. And then you plot their subsequent performance. And what you find is investing in the losing firms or losing funds, excuse me, actually would have been a good bet. Whether or not you looked at just your raw return or relative to the market. Mm -hmm. um, so it's an interesting finding that, you know, the past losers from a fund perspective actually tended to do the best in the future. Was, was there a time frame on that? Like how well, like when, when he said in the future? Do you know? They were just measuring like three year, three next, year. next performance. Yeah. Which is just kind of funny because it's like, by by that, if you take this research, I mean, there's a ton of research, but you could, you should, a, a better screening, rather than looking at the funds that did well the past three years, a better screening would be to look at what's done poorly um, the last three years. But, but so buying past losers seems counterintuitive right and buying past winners is, is comfortable um, as Larry said in the paper and the paper went on to say equity factors just like individual stocks or different asset classes can become cheap at certain times and expensive at other times um, what did the authors find on the relation between factor returns and factor valuation yeah so <clears throat> what they found was if you looked at you know the past winners and the past losers, what you find is the, the funds that happened to be the past winners, they generally became more expensive. They use an aggregate, you know, how value, an aggregate value measure mm -hmm. to measure expensive or cheap. But so what they find is the, the funds that did really well in the past, the winners, are now expensive. The funds that did really poorly in the past, right, the bottom quintile, they're now cheap. Yep. So at some level, uh, you can make an argument that a lot of the past performance was just due to the fact that valuations may have moved in their favor, mm. right? Whereby <clears throat> the winning funds became more expensive and the losing funds became less. But what that means is on a go-forward basis, right? If you buy losing funds, you, you are buying funds that actually probably have cheaper net valuations. If you buy winning funds, you're buying funds with higher valuations. Yep. And we already know kind of ex ante that at least in the past value was one driver of returns. Right. So they kind of find that. So so w w what's the takeaway here then? Should we try to market time? Should we? Uh, takeaway is, you know, past performance clearly is not everything. Yeah. I think you should still look at it. Um, you know, what they talk, they also talk about fees. Fees are important, yeah. right? Like structure is important. Um, and what I'd say though is, you know, they do find, uh, <clears throat> that the funds that did the best seem to be pretty expensive. Yep. Funds that did poorly seem to be cheaper from a valuation Better, standpoint. Yeah. So I think you should account for all those things when assessing you know, 
which fund to invest in. Got it. Yeah. And as Jack said, because, yeah, there's all the other structural things. Fees matter. Yeah, structure matters um, on top of valuation of the, the fund itself. Yep. The third paper and the last paper. Uh, short selling and insider selling equals a profitable strategy. Uh, so the authors propose a strategy that utilizes trading information of both short sellers and corporate insiders. Jack, how did this strategy work and what were the results here? Yeah, so this strategy, and this is actually very similar to an article we covered a couple weeks ago, uh, actually by Tommy, on a very similar topic. Uh, the, the previous paper looked at kind of the information that is being transmitted by like short sellers as well as like insiders. This one kind of looked at it more from just like a pure returns perspective. Um, you know, this is journal portfolio management. So this article today is more about like returns, you know, investing. Um, and what they found is firms that, uh, or, or they wanted to look at what's the information embedded in these strategies, mm -hmm. right? And so they specifically looked at two things. One is short sellers either increasing or decreasing, right? So if short seller demand is increasing, that can be seen as like negative information. Yep. If it's decreasing, that could be seen as positive information. Similarly, they looked at insider buying and selling. If insider buy demand is increasing, that's good. If insider buy demand or sell demand is, you know, if buy demand is going down or sell demand is increasing, that would be a bad signal. And what they found is there's pretty significant alpha if you combine these two signals, yep. i.e. you would buy firms that had short sell, uh, the short sellers like decreasing, yep. good signal, as well as insiders buying. And so that would be your, your buy bucket and your sell bucket or short bucket would be if you uh, went short firms where uh, ins there's short selling is increasing mm -hmm. as well as insider demand is decreasing. Mm -hmm. um, and they found pretty significant alpha in this strategy. Um, and, and so any other general thoughts on this paper in terms of can we apply it or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's their signals people may want to take a look at. Um, one thing they looked at in the paper was, you know, is this like potentially, uh, <clears throat> is there information in these signals? Mm. And so how they measured that was, you know, it's the two standard measures of kind of how would you get information. So you look at firms that are have higher low like idiosyncratic volatility or higher low analyst dispersion. And so the argument is if you have high analyst dispersion, there's probably like a disagreement about information, whereas low analyst dispersion means everyone's kind of agrees on it. And what they find is a lot of the alpha or a decent amount of it is driven by these high dispersion firms, mm. which means the information given by these two signals, short, <clears throat> the short sell information as well as insiders, appears to be, it appears to be information actually. And, and we see it in in, the, in that subset of firms. Got it. All right. So so, opportunity zone investments. We can read up on that. Uh, valuations may matter when looking at individual funds. And then this last one, short selling, insider selling, seems to have some information on it. That's what we've got this week for Compound Your Knowledge. And we'll see you guys next week. The views expressed in this recording are the personal views of the participants as of the date indicated and do not necessarily reflect the views of Alpha Architect itself. 
Nothing contained in this recording constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a current or past recommendation or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The information in this recording is based on current market conditions which will fluctuate and may be superseded by subsequent market events or for other reasons. Alpha Architect does not resume any duty to update forward-looking statements. The information in this recording has been developed internally and or obtained from sources believed to be reliable. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made or given by or on behalf of Alpha Architect as to the accuracy and completeness or fairness of the information contained in this recording. Any liability as a result of this recording, including direct, indirect, special, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. Copyright 2018, Alpha Architect LLC, all rights reserved.